0: You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. This is Horse in a with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Oh my god! Each week, Mace takes you inside the Denver Broncos. I like it! Players, huh, huh. coaches, insiders. Let's go! And of course, with a twist only Mace can provide.
1: Buddy Duddy's.
0: Now, here's orange and blue 760's Andrew Mason.
1: Horsing around after the Broncos' first AFC West Road win since 2015, since Brock Osweiler was in his first tenure as starting quarterback. My goodness, it's been a while. It's been far too long. But here we are with the Broncos eking out a 23-22 win at the last second over the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm Andrew Mace of DenverBroncos.com and first in 10, 10 of Orange and Blue 760 joined here late on Sunday night. Thanks for staying up, Ryan, by the inimitable Ryan Edwards, also first in 1010 10 Orange and Blue 760, my friend. It's good to keep hope alive. You and I talked about hope. We used sci-fi space opera <laughs> references last week. We showed off our nerd credentials, but you know what? All of those things came true. In the end, somehow, some way, despite a game that it looked like the Broncos had lost at any number of times.
0: Well, and that's exactly right. I mean, in the end, this looked a lot like many of their games this season, where uh, clearly not a perfect game, not perfect execution they make enough plays to win games and they make enough plays to generally lose games. And that's where we've been in this kind of purgatory talking about this team on a daily basis when we we kind of go back to the numbers and say, well, these numbers were terrific. They should be able to win with these kind of numbers. And then we go to other numbers and say, and this is why you keep losing. Well, this one was setting up exactly like that. You would have gone back. If they had lost this game, you said, look, you won the turnover battle. You you, you rushed the ball uh, averaging 5.7 yards on the ground. You got three rushing touchdowns. And yet you lose and and so if they would have lost this game, we could have pointed to multiple things, but they won the game, and so now we can go to the other side of it and say, well, they won the turnover battle. The Chargers had 14 penalties for 120 yards in this game. The Chargers clearly sort of shot themselves in the foot at multiple junctures, yet the Broncos gave themse- gave the Chargers many reasons to win this game. But, you know, look, uh, we kept saying we're waiting for the Broncos to close one of these games, these contested games where they don't play perfect. Well, they didn't play perfect, and they closed. They won. And you're right. It keeps hope alive.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a lot more to be positive about here than negative, even though you look at some of the numbers that the Chargers put up and say, whoa, and you look at the penalties, like you mentioned. Literally, Ryan, the Chargers had their highest penalty yardage total in a decade on Sunday with 120 yards, like you mentioned. They did shoot themselves in the foot. You had Keenan Allen – lamenting after the game to ESPN.com that the Chargers lost to a team that, in his estimation, quoting him, sucked. Well, what does that make you if you lose to a team that you think sucks?
0: Yeah, well, that's 100% right.
1: Yeah, it makes you a big-time loser.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. And I mean, look at the time of possession disparity here. I mean, 37-49 versus 22-11. I mean, the Chargers really did. They they owned this game. I mean, they didn't didn't own the turnover battle. They but they won in yards, first downs. So they had 26 versus the Broncos 16. Their third down conversion. I look, I went into the week trying to make an argument that hey this isn't a bit of an Achilles heel not the case in in this game they were nine for 15 they came into the game only uh, getting 37 percent of their third downs because they were so prolific on first and second they just didn't see third down all that often and they weren't all that great at it but uh, in this game and they were, I think they were seven for nine in the first half. Mm-hmm. So, so really it took a, a impressive defensive performance in the second half just to make it a, a better percentage for the Broncos and that third down conversion. But I mean, Hey, in, in this game, Phillip rivers, he made some critical errors, including that, that third down attempt at the very end. I mean, he, he would have been better suited to take a knee there,
1: Mace. Oh, I know. But that, that's ultimately
0: what happened to the chargers today.
1: Yeah, that play, if the Broncos do turn this into a revival over the next six weeks to close out the season, then we're going to point to Phillip Rivers throwing the ball down and stopping the clock with a minute 58 left in a similar vein to how we look at Marion Barber going out of bounds. Back in twenty eleven during the Tebow run of miracles there, just completely inexplicable and for Philip Rivers in particular, my goodness, you've got a fifteen year veteran yep. making that sort of mistake that in retrospect basically was the difference in the game because let's say the chargers can drain another forty five seconds from the clock even if the Broncos do manage to make some plays, you're talking about them probably having about a 64-yard attempt to try to win the game based on yep. how they were moving the football. And instead, those extra seconds make it possible for some extra completions. The 30-yarder to Cortland Sutton, the and run, that set up a shot that Brandon McManus almost always hits. He came into the game 34 of his last 35 on kicks from 30 to 39 yards right in his wheelhouse, sort of <laughs> makes, it, makes you understand again why you probably need to keep going there at the end of the second half against Houston a couple of weeks back instead of settling for the 50-yard attempt. But I digress. That spilled milk, you can't clean that up. All you can do is move on and go forward. And the Broncos won. The other thing, I think the Broncos did learn from their mistakes against Houston in terms of some of the game management issues. Go to the end of the first half with just over a minute left, and you've got what I believe would have been a 58-yard attempt, and they didn't go chasing points. They just punted, make sure that the Chargers didn't have good field position, and then got to halftime with the score intact as it was
0: the only time that I felt the chasing points concept was that fourth down attempt. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was obviously a, a big source of controversy, at least on Twitter during the course of that game. And even in the game that, that they were calling on the broadcast, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a difficult thing because you're, you're, within chip shot range of a field goal and that's three points that you, you definitely could use at that point. Uh, would have put the Broncos up by four um, and, and of course you're, you're thinking, okay, well that, I mean, it, it didn't last very long. The Chargers moved down the field and they scored a touchdown but, you know, at the time you're thinking, okay, why not take the points? Yeah, you know, I, I don't completely hate the call. I hate the, the play call more specifically than I hate the decision to go for it but that was about, when you were speaking about points. I think ultimately I came away from that moment, and I'm curious your thoughts. I came away from that moment thinking this feels like a chasing points kind of moment that uh, hopefully doesn't come back to bite.
1: Yeah, on the one hand, by going for it there instead of taking the field goal, you gave the Chargers an opportunity for a momentum swing moment. And yep. it did swing. It turned out. They went on a run after that. They scored the next 13 points unanswered until the Broncos got back on the board late in the third quarter after the Von Miller interception. But on the other hand, in a vacuum, going for it on fourth and one there, that's a play you should be able to get more often than not. And I think, yeah, you can kind of object to the play call a little bit more than the decision to go for it. It was not even a yard. It was about two-thirds of a yard, so two feet. Yeah. And when I looked at the play, looked at it pre-snap, what went through my mind, seeing how close they were, was sneak. hmm and, well, and what and happened was— yeah. yeah, they even showed it on—sorry uh, to interrupt
0: you, but they, they even showed it after the fact— of how how wide open that a gap was, yeah, and and if he 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 could have he could have basically kind of strutted ahead for at least two to three yards before you can be in contact. It, but but go ahead, that that's exactly what what probably should have been the call.
1: Yeah, instead what happened is was a play that just took a little bit too long to develop, and I think obviously you can't sneak it every time because then the opponent's going to know what you're doing there. But in a situation like that, when you're so close and literally the quarterback can reach over and make the line to gain. That's something you should probably think about there. Don't try to make a big play. Just try to make the play that maintains possession. It's a small quibble when you win, but it's still something that maybe the Broncos ought to work on and reconsider because they'll probably have that situation potentially at some point later this season. And, it's a, again, it's a chance to learn from a mistake. Now, you want to learn in victories. So... Good for the Broncos if they got the win, but that's something that they can probably improve and do better because, look, if they do execute that well and they get the first down, they end up getting in the end zone. This doesn't come down to Brandon McManus and a last-second drive. Maybe they've got it salted away a little bit earlier.
0: No, I'm completely with you. Now, the other one that that ended up uh, being a uh, tremendous uh, play was the fake punt. Like, so we, we get... One aggressive play that uh, did not net what the Broncos were looking for, but then the Colby uh, Wadman to Jano. Love Jano. <laughs> Love Jano.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was, uh, oh man, what what a, what a cool what a cool play! And Vance Joseph in the post game was saying how they had that in their pocket; they were waiting for mm-hmm. an opportunity to use it. It was perfect down distance, perfect point in the the field. And, uh, of course, they, they score with a 41-yard touchdown in the very next play with Philip Lindsey, which had some tremendous blocking up front. We'll get to the offensive mm-hmm. line. Holy cow, what a game they had. Uh, but, yeah, I, so, so that's the thing is, is you know, I, I sometimes am, am in this place where I, I tend to like more aggressive coaching. I, I think coaches tend to to – be a little bit too reserved at time so for me i can't you kind of can't in my opinion you kind of can't have it both ways you know you can't be like lamenting that he went for it on fourth and one but in this case you know you're you're lauding him for going for it with a fake punt you know i mean both of them could have not worked both of them could have both worked i mean they both could have worked you know so i mean i don't know if you really can have it both ways um The chasing points nature of it, you kind of get. But in this case, successful on this play, I think the fourth and one could have been successful if they would have gone QB sneak or maybe even had Jano in there. But again, I mean, you're talking about a team that had three wins. They needed desperately to get a fourth win. They needed to change the trajectory that they were on from what they were looking like last year at this time. And again, at this time last year, they were three and seven. They have changed it now. They're four and six and we'll see what they can do
1: from it. Before we go on from here, let's hear from Colby Wadman. I talked to him in the locker room about the fake punt and what went into it. Here's that conversation. When was the last time you threw a pass
2: in a game? Pass in a game, it was my junior year of high school. We had a fake punt where I just caught it and just tossed it out to the end. And that was Yeah, no, if I had thrown it to him, we'd I saw the I saw the screenshot after and if I looked up it would have been a touchdown. But uh but yeah, it's been since my junior years. So I don't know how many years that is, seven, eight, whatever.
1: So never in your football life were you ever a quarterback? You've always just punted? Or?
2: I played tight end in high school for a little bit and defensive end. But since about sophomore, junior year of high school, I've only just punted. It's been, yeah, that long. So, no, recess ball, yeah, I'd play some quarterback, but no, not in any real games.
1: How well did that call work in practice?
2: Great. Every, I mean, every single time we ran it, we were completing it. And so going into it, I was super confident. Coach was really confident about it. And we felt really good about it uh, going into the game.
1: And what kind of adrenaline goes through you when the call comes in? We're using this right
2: here. Honestly, I didn't have any adrenaline because I knew it's such a short pass. I was like, I'm just going to catch, roll out, and just dump it to Andy. Um, there's really no adrenaline at all because I knew it was going to work. It worked all week in practice, so coming in, I was just pretty confident and prepared for it.
1: How does it feel to kind of be a part of really turning the momentum of the game because that play really kind of shifted it all in the other direction, and the Phil scores right after
2: that? Yeah, I mean, it felt great, obviously, because right after that we got our first touchdown. It definitely, like you said, changed the momentum. Um, I mean, it just felt great to make a play for my team and just help them out. And I mean, Andy made a great play, obviously, catching it making sure we got the first down, too. So.
1: The thing that I loved most, Ryan, that Colby Wadman said, first of all, talking about how they'd worked on it and he hadn't thrown a ball in a game since his junior season of high school, literally. But I like the fact that, as Wadman said there, there was no adrenaline rush when the call came in. It was just a matter of, okay, we worked on this in practice. We know we can do it. Go out there and execute it just do what you, you've you done in practice. I know a lot of fans last year became weary, and media as well became weary of hearing about good practices not translating the games. Here's an right. example of something that was good in practice, done repeatedly, practiced to perfection, and then it worked out brilliantly in the game.
0: Yeah, that's 100% right. And, I mean, it's one of those things that you're – as a team that that's searching for a win, and you're, you know, there, there, there's you seem to be second-guessed on dang near everything you do, but uh, you're gonna you're gonna have to get outside your comfort zone, and you're gonna have to you don't have to get too cute, but there's a sense of right down in distance, right place on the field, feeling like there's a moment within the game where where you can sort of take. Take over momentum, and you know what? That's exactly what they did. Because not only did uh, Philip Lindsay run that in for a touchdown, they get an interception on the very next play, and all of a sudden you're feeling like, wow, this team, this team is right there. They 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 could uh, they could take this thing over. This is the kind of game we've been looking for from them. It was one thing to do that to a team like Arizona, but it's another thing to do that to a team that's red hot like the LA Chargers. And I mean you, you, you lost it going you know on downs and then the chargers take it back and they score a touchdown. but I mean back to my original point, I mean w- you know when you're you're trying to, to get back on track you're trying you're gonna have to go outside your comfort zone a little bit. And so in this case, it would have been very easy for them to hit play to, f- to play the field position right? Mm-hmm. You're trailing you're, I mean right now you're only, you're only trailing seven. Uh, you're tra- yeah you're trailing six zero right the the Chargers have gotten a couple field goals you're trailing six zero no big deal play field position send your defense back out there but instead they 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 took this play they went to Colby Wadman to Andy Janovich and the very next play they were rewarded by a forty one yard touchdown to Philip Lindsay and and that's that's what good teams do Mace
1: yeah and good teams turn that play into something special that was a turning point of the game. Remember the Broncos, they were down 6-0, but the Chargers had two impressive drives. They shot themselves in the foot at the end of them with penalties, but still two impressive drives. It looked like the Chargers had control of the flow and the pace and were doing everything they wanted to do except for the penalties. That's a big except, of course, but still it was in their hands. The fake punt took it out of their hands. Phillip Lindsay scoots 41 yards the next play for a touchdown. Of course, it was a game of pivots in terms of momentum because you had that in favor of the Broncos. You had the fourth and one. That was a pivot against the Broncos. The Chargers go on a run after that. Then the other pivot came when Von Miller had the interception <coughs> reading the screen pass to Travis Benjamin developing perfectly. Ryan, I have to laugh at that because... You and I were in the midst of an exchange of texts to each other that was a fusillade of negativity between the (laughs) two of us. (laughs) Just back and forth. We were venting to each other, and then all of a sudden I look down and Von Miller is scooting downfield. The Broncos score three plays later, get back into it, and it was a completely different game after that.
0: Yeah, you even made a comment uh, during <laughs> our text exchange because I I had said something to the effect of, I, I don't know if I could do another post game chop up on Facebook Live. Yeah, uh, uh, on, on this one, if they lose this one in, in the same manner of which they've been losing all their other games, where it's just there, there's enough place to, pl- to say they should have won, and there's plenty of place to say they should lot should lose. Mm-hmm. You know, I just was I just wasn't really. I don't know man I, It gets tough It gets tough So But but as soon as I said that What's that movie With Kevin Costner uh, 10 Cup yes. Where you know He's got the shanks And mm-hmm. And uh, Cheech Marin Has him like Turn his hat sideways And inside You know And all sorts of Pulls collar up
1: and, Yep Looks like I mean, a damn fool Yeah It's like What do you think You look like Shoving them chili dippers <laughs> Up Lee Jansen's ass <laughs> <laughs> Right <laughs> Exactly. I love that line. That's where we're at, man. That's that's where we're
0: at. Whatever it takes.
1: Because you're not thinking about the doctor lady. You're just hitting the ball. (laughs) So you're saying I was thinking too much. It's never been the case. (laughs) Oh, boy. Exactly. But that was a moment. You know, Von Miller gets that interception.
0: They go on to score a touchdown there. They force their first three and out. Of the whole game, the defense does, mm-hmm. and then the Broncos get the ball back. They drive right down the field. They score another touchdown on a wildcat touchdown from Philip Lindsay. Um, and at that point, the Broncos had the lead. Now they don't hold it for very long as uh, the Chargers move down the field and kick a field goal. But uh but man, I mean, it's just you know they they were they were making the plays down the stretch, and, and, and honestly. And I know that there's a lot of things we got to get to in this, but but Case Keenum,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: know his final stat line isn't going to wow a lot of people in Broncos country. But first of all, another clean game, and secondly, five for five, 76 yards on that final drive in 151, and on top of that, overcoming what looked like an and, I, and I'll have to watch it again maybe when the uh, maybe when the coaches film version comes out, an egregious call. Against Tim Patrick. Did you and see I, Rod Smith's I, I tweet about it? I couldn't see an angle on it.
1: Did you see Rod Smith's tweet about it?
0: Yes, I, oh, I absolutely saw Rod Smith's tweet about it.
1: I, I don't think he was wrong. That was a terrible call. Pete Morelli's crew did not clothe themselves in glory, to say the least. Both teams had plenty about which they could complain. I don't think I've ever seen Chris Harris Jr. as angry as when he got called for pass interference on a play where Keenan Allen yanks his face mask. And there were times today I don't know that I was watching the same game as the officiating crew was.
0: Oh, I'm 100% with you. And I know like we as a show on First and Ten try our best not to come in after losses and you know, immediately starting into the refs. But I mean there there was there there was some throw your hat kind of calls yes. in that game. That was one of them. And then yeah, you're right,
1: the Chris Harris P. I mm-hmm. was was just silly. Um that they that, that was called it was hand fighting, look could have gone both ways. But you Off-setting. Had Ian Allen Off-setting. Forcing his yeah. face, you
0: know, basically yeah. trying to force his helmet off from underneath his chin strap. And uh, that was a call against Chris Harris. That that was such bogus. And the two-point conversion, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, look, I understand that Vance Joseph ultimately was the one that had to challenge that, but the fact they didn't call that in the first place, um, the, I, look – Vance probably should should challenge or somebody should have helped him because it looked to me like Case had it. And they, you know, they want we'll to watch it again, but it looked like from all the angles they showed on the TV broadcast that Case had it, and and then they they ultimately said, well, it's actually up to Vance to challenge it. It's not it's not actually uh, New York that's going to review that. But I mean, even then. I I, I there just there was just so many moments in the game where the refs just just didn't seem to be like you said watching the same game.
1: Yeah, there was a lot that kind of blew my mind about this game and I'm glad it blew my mind in a win for the Broncos rather than a loss. Here's another thing that blew my mind, Ryan. The Broncos had 325 yards on Sunday on offense. The Chargers had 479. Do you know that This is the first game the Broncos have won in 34 years when they allowed 475 plus and gained 325 yards or less.
0: That's that's incredible, man. Yeah. And, you know, it, it would have been one of those things that if they had lost, you'd say, well, that's one way. That's one thing I'll point to. They only had 325 yards of offense and they allowed almost 500. That would have been one of the stats we had appointed to on the other side. And you know, it, it, it's it's not a it's not a bad thing for the Broncos. It's just not sustainable. And that's why they continue to find themselves in these situations because yeah. Yeah. You found a way to win this game. That's not going to work against the Steelers. I mean, at least not, I I don't think it'll work against the Steelers, but I mean, the thing about it is maybe it will. I mean, you you just have, the thing is, is you, the Broncos, you just saw how narrow their margin in so many ways over the course of this game. It's it's so indicative of this team because the narrow margin, the fourth and one that they didn't convert, that basically let the Chargers come back down the field, swung momentum, they scored a touchdown, and they you know it's a it's a big point swing for the uh, several point swing for the Broncos for, for the Chargers, and it's just like that that's so indicative of the team. But the Chargers, like you said, I mean the penalties uh, were massive for them today, 14 for 120, which is just uh, outrageous. Um, and then uh, you know they they lost the turnover battle. They had two interceptions, so the, the Chargers made plenty of mistakes. But again, generally, generally speaking, good teams aren't going to do that. And the Broncos, uh, they did enough. And uh, now, now, as we said, you get to keep hope
1: alive. Yeah, they did enough, and the position group that I thought did more than enough, especially considering I think what we all expected coming into the game was the offensive line, the interior of the offensive line where you had Billy Turner making his first start at left guard and you had Elijah Wilkinson making his first career start handling right guard. And at the day's end, Case Keenum was never sacked. He was hit four times. And the ground game end up averaging 5.7 yards per carry and there were some big holes. Philip Lindsay was making the most of some big holes, going for 79 yards on 11 attempts. Man, uh, Vance Joseph gave a game ball to the offensive line as a group and it was richly deserved. They came up huge today. A lot of guys grew up big time.
0: Oh, 100%. And and you said it perfectly, you know, expectations. And that's it's it's you you can't you can't have this conversation about the the team without what what you say is expectations and the expectations were an offensive line that in that formation had never done anything together um and you find out you're gonna lose one of your starting guards a couple of uh, i mean the day you're getting ready to fly out or at least the day before you're getting ready to fly out to uh to take on the chargers so Uh, It was one thing for Connor McGovern to have the whole bye week to get in the mindset. It's another thing to have the whole bye week to be in the mindset of what your O-line is going to look like. And then all of a sudden you have a whole new body in there next to you. And then the fact that you you come into this game um, and you don't give up any sacks. Uh, Case Keenum made a lot of really smart decisions. Uh, with with the ball not taking not taking sacks or not taking uh as big a hits as as maybe he uh probably should have taken Uh, you know joey bosa definitely had a couple of moments in the game but yeah man uh game ball deserved i know when we're giving out game balls tomorrow that's going to be uh one of the highlighted ones in our first round there's no question about it Uh, uh what can you say i i mean i'm I I wouldn't have believed you. Let's just put it that way. If you would have told me after the game they gave up zero sacks, I I probably would have uh, questioned your judgment. <laughs> I wouldn't have understood uh, what you were watching. Um, and then meanwhile, the Broncos, uh, one of the best offensive line elite, they got they got to Phillip Rivers three times, and that that's significant. That was also very significant.
1: This game has the capacity to surprise. Sometimes those surprises are pleasant. This was. A pleasant surprise in a lot of ways. The offensive line played well. The Broncos had not won a Sunday road game since (laughs) December of 2016. Now we can stop talking about that. (laughs) Finally. Boy, oh boy. It it actually feels like we're talking about a little bit of a different playing field this week. And I couldn't be happier about that.
0: Oh, dude. Uh, I mean it's it it maybe it's just delaying the inevitable and that that's possible but we've watched we're, we're seeing multiple teams the houston texans are an example of a team i mean they, they sort of found a way today to be washington and it's just you can go on runs now we obviously i thought we've been pretty fair about it saying you know the likelihood of of anything you know better than just closing out and and shooting for you know 500 which would be five wins which would be kind of ridiculous at this point uh that that's really what you're aiming for but hey uh they've had the talent to put together wins they Mm -hmm. just hadn't done it yet and and now you have this one and we just saw the Steelers struggle mightily against Jacksonville. They made enough points. They, they made enough plays at the end to win the game, but that also in the end had something to do with Jacksonville being more or less a on offense. I mean, they're, they're, that's not an offense that, that generally scares a lot of people. So, um, and maybe the Broncos aren't either, but but they're going to be at home. They're going to have the benefit of of playing the game at home. The Steelers are coming to town, and Ben Roethlisberger, you know, threw three interceptions today. And uh, I mean, he, he's sometimes struggled at Mile High. I, I'm I'm I think that there's going to be a crowd at uh, at home at Broncos Stadium at Mile High that's going to be pretty jacked up for this game, and they're going to be they're going to be there to support their team and 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 hope that the, the team can can keep the the dream of what this season could be alive.
1: Yeah, I'm not looking forward to seeing the terrible towels in the stadium next Sunday. You hope that Broncos fans are loud enough, raucous enough, engaged enough to drown them out. Of course, Pittsburgh comes in playing very well. They struggled for a while with Jacksonville, but got it done late, pulled out a win down there. Jacksonville was playing in save-the-season mode on Sunday, was controlling the game, and then Pittsburgh fought back and won. It says a lot about the Steelers as a team. It's going to be a tough game, and like we've said over and over again, the Broncos have used up their margin for error because they lost to the Jets on the road because they couldn't close the deal against Houston or Kansas City or the Los Angeles Rams. They're out of mulligans. I mean, they're one game back of the last playoff spot. This is true, but you've got the dolphins at 5 and 5, the titans at 5 and 5, the bengal's at 5 and 5, the colts at 5 and 5, the ravens at 5 and 5. So, there are a lot of teams you're going to have to pass. The colts look like they're playing out they're they're on a run right now. Wouldn't surprise me if the colts just keep on winning. So, yeah, the odds aren't great. You have to fire off a silver bullet. You can't rely on 8 and 8 or 9 and 7 getting you in. You've got to, you've got to win every game realistically to have a shot, I think. But you did keep it alive for another week and if you get some momentum who knows look the colts who of whom i speak they are 1 in 5 they look terrible yep. now look at them they're yep. they look like one of the best teams in the game and could that happen for the broncos i'm not sitting here and saying that it could but at least you have a fighting shot again these sci-fi analogies turn death into a fighting chance to live that is exactly what happened on sunday it looked like Late in the game, Broncos are get, have the ball deep in their own territory, no timeouts. Look like they might be done. They get up to midfield, the pass interference call, the mystifying call on Tim Patrick. You think, oh gosh, they might be done. There were so many times Sunday that you thought, okay, they're done. The third quarter, when we were ranting and raving via text message to each other, they're down 19-7. The Chargers are driving, and honestly... I have versions of the story that I'm going to write, one for a win, one for a loss, because if they lose, it's reasons why they lost. If they win, it's reasons why they won. And I admit that I was working on the loss version at that point when it was 197 before Von Miller gets the p- pick and runs downfield with it. So, yeah, you were in a dark place at one point, but you got out of it. There's hope. Yep. There's hope for w- at least one more week. And if you can get it done at home, again the Rams and Chiefs games and the Texans game show that this team wasn't far off, couldn't quite close the deal but wasn't far off. Sunday in LA, they closed the deal against a team that oh by the way, had the best record over the last 16 regular season weeks of anybody in football coming to that game. 13 and 3. Best over those 16 weeks. And the Broncos got it done. So, what's to say they can't get it done against Pittsburgh. Now I think they have the belief that they can win. A game like that. I don't know if they believed that they could get it done until it actually happened. And when you saw Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton jumping for joy after Case Keenum spiked the ball, knowing they had set Brandon McMass up in a near lock for him to make it, you could just feel like the weight of the world coming off them. And all of a sudden, those guys believing, hey, we can get this done.
0: I think he's said a perfect, I mean, just the belief. And, it, you know, that that can drive momentum itself that you, you go from where this team, as you said, you said you were writing a story toward the loss. Well, they, they more or less probably some of them were starting to feel that way, too. I mean, desperate, but sort of waiting for it all to just happen like it always does. Mm-hmm. And they were down by two scores. And here, here comes Philip Rivers and the Chargers. They're driving down for the really the game-clinching uh, score that would have set the Broncos so far back that they, even if they did put together a nice fourth quarter, it would have been just style points because in the end, the Chargers had owned them, and, and you look at the numbers throughout the course of the game, and they really had. But that's the difference, and, and so you're right. I mean, all of a sudden, they're, they're maybe we'll see a little bit of swagger uh, this Sunday. That uh, they they all of a sudden say, oh well, that's what it's, that's what it feels like to win. That's what it feels like to win against a good team when we're when nobody's picking us to win, mm-hmm. and no, they're going to be an underdog to, to Pittsburgh at home, and that has that is that has worked for the Broncos in the past. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about at least what we're going to see from them, and then of course they're going to have to take it the rest of the
1: way. Yep, still a long way to go. But you can't get there without taking the first step, and they took the first step Sunday, 23-22 Broncos over the Los Angeles Chargers. They're at 4-6, and six. long way to go, but at least they're going in the right direction now after losing six of the last seven. Ryan, thanks for staying up with me. Appreciate it. Anytime. All right talk to you Monday morning, 1st and 10 10 on Orange and Blue 760. Ryan and I will be joined by Steve Atwater to break it all down. We'll take you through the week. Get you ready for Broncos Steelers. Thanks for listening. We'll have more in the Broncos Audio Zone throughout the week. And enjoy the win. Savor it. Don't be one of those gloomy Gusses who sits there and moans about winning and draft picks and all that kind of thing. Enjoy the moment. You should do that with everything, but... Enjoy this moment to your team. Beat your division rivals. Savor it. Have fun with it. Talk to you next time.
0: This has been another edition of a Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Check out Mace on DenverBroncos.com and weekday mornings at 10 with Steve Adwater and Ryan Edwards.
1: That's how we get it done. We'll
0: see you next time on Horsin' Around.